Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning, and again, happy Father's Day. On behalf of Dads Everywhere, I decided to wear the most fatherly shirt that I own. You won't see me repping the Hawaiian prints very often in life, but today, this is for you, Dads. This one is for you. But my hope is that if you're watching this outside of a Sunday morning, that you stick with us, uh, because today, though it is Father's Day, we are starting a brand new series called Hope Into the Home. And though it's going to speak to dads everywhere, I also know it is going to speak to you, whether you are a dad or not. But uh, ultimately, Glory Family, I hope that you have already made some phone calls this morning, uh, wishing people a happy Father's Day, caring about the dads in your life, maybe your own dad, and celebrated them. If you uh, are, are maybe experiencing a hardship on Father's Day, maybe the loss of a dad, maybe it's been recent, uh, I encourage you today to celebrate the memories, the legacy of them. As a Glory family member, like I would love to know the stories of your dad, the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny. Uh, so take someone aside and, and talk it out. Maybe someone in your small group. I encourage you, celebrate your dad today. And overwhelmingly so, we have a Heavenly Father to be celebrated today, uh, so I'm excited. Today is uh, a Father's Day for me. I am uh, blown away. The most stretching thing that I've ever experienced in my life is becoming a dad. Uh, my wife and I, Kate, we got married really young, and then we had twins really young, and now we have four little ones, all six and a half and under, and our house is crazy. I will say that uh, the most stretching that I've ever experienced in my life is being a father. God has used my kids to mold me into the man that I am, and I'm incredibly thankful. But parenting, right? It is like the experience of all the extremes, extreme excitement and extreme tiredness, extreme weariness, extreme fear. You got the extreme anger at times, extreme joy. You're most, uh, you're proud of them, the extreme pride for your kids. And at the same time, you can be the most extreme embarrassment, right? Like there's just these ongoing extreme feelings. I have never felt so corny, so goofy, so tired, so confused as I have been as a dad. And so there is something interesting that comes with fatherhood. But this morning, I'm excited to celebrate fatherhood with you and sort of allow it to be a catalyst, a catalyst in our series of the beginning of a fresh new series as we look forward. In fact, today starts a six-week series uh, over hope, the idea of this discussion of hope and our home, how, that, how those fit together, how those operate together, and it's going to be so fitting for this morning. But I, I'm excited because at the end of those six weeks, uh, we're actually going to step out of our strictly online format. That's right. Everyone listening, mark your calendars, because at the end of this series, we will be back together on August 2nd. Sunday, August 2nd, I will be teaching in real time. Uh, we will have worship together in real time back in that community room at the Linwood YMCA in Kansas City, and I cannot wait to be with you. I cannot wait to transform that place again. I cannot wait to, to have the excitement and the energy in the room. 
And I cannot wait to see all the people that you invite. And so I am pumped. That's August 2nd. It is coming soon. But in the meantime, I say all of that because in the meantime, though, that's something to be celebrated. There is some work to do in the next six messages, five weeks after today. Um, and, and I believe fully that there's a reason why we can't get into the YMCA until August, that God has something to teach us. He has something to maybe reteach some of us. And I believe that this series is so fitting. Hope and the home, this ongoing dialogue we're going to have between this concept of hope, that ability to anticipate good things coming and, and living with this perseverance despite their evidence of them now, the hope, and allowing that to invade a home. Often the most hopeful we are exists in things outside of our house while our house, uh, like entropy, just sort of decays downward. And not just like our, our literal homes, but our sense of self decays while we hope for things often external. And so I just want this ongoing conversation that starts today between hope and our home, our places of, uh, of influence, our places of seclusion, uh, whether you are a dad a married couple, whether you are a single person in a home on your own, there is some hope that needs to be experienced. So we're going to have some hard conversations, some good ones, but it will be powerful. So lean into these next six, six weeks. Will you uh, lean into them, uh, engage in your small group, invite people in still, and prepare yourself to be moved week and week out. And I'm so excited, guys. August 2nd is coming soon. But let's not forgo, not forget the work, the active work that God is doing now. So this morning, hope in the home. I will say that we are going to focus uh, strictly on one word that I would say is probably one of the most overused words in our Christian world. Uh, but our homes ache for it. Our city aches for it. If you know anything about Glory Church, when we say the word home, that we serve our home, it's not just our literal homes, but it's also our city homes. It's our places of influence in all of the little kingdoms that surround us. They ache for this word, and it's the word faith. And when I say faith, I don't just mean this like a salvific faith that you believe in something, you believe in God, that, that he is, you, ha you have this salvation story. I mean this ongoing deep growth of belief, this uh, ongoing exponential growth of surrender, of anticipation, of, of, of hope-filled joy, faith. And so as we get into this, we're going to read a miracle in Mark chapter 9. So you can prepare yourself for that. We're going to read a miracle where we see this beautiful display of faith. And at the end of it, Jesus turns to his disciples and tells them, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to move and it would. It would. So dads everywhere, one thing I know that we can all agree on is our homes need a mountain moving faith. Do you agree? Our relationships with our kids, they need a mountain-moving faith. I, I have some mountains, some walls that have been set up in between my relationship with my dad because of, of, of fear or anger or bitterness and in the past. And our stories, our lives, our relationships, our marriages, our city is in need of some mountain-moving faith. And so I believe this is a great place to start. This is some groundwork that God has for us if you are a part of a, uh, a marriage. I believe that uh, where you are right now 
your marriage needs a mountain-moving faith. Your marriage needs a mountain-moving faith. Your kids need to see, and for them to one day have on their own, a mountain-moving faith. But as we get into today's passage, uh, you will realize that real faith is made up by tension. That in fact, there is a tension that makes faith, faith. This tension, a pull, a prod, a stretching feeling, and we don't like tension. Men especially, we struggle with tension. Tension in our marriage, we don't want to talk about. Tension in our life, we, we just either want to solve it, fix it, deny it, overlook it. Some of you, you're the type that want to break the tension. You want to set it ablaze and let it go. We want tension to be dealt with, but faith maintains tension. There is a tension that makes faith, faith. And we're going to get into this this morning. And uh, in fact, every miracle of Jesus showcases this tension involved in faith. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. Faith is hard and pulling and stretching, and there will always be tension. Often in my life, I, I have coined this phrase and in a lot of my relationships and a lot of sermons I've said and, and times when I mentor leaders or, or hang out with volunteer leaders when I was a youth pastor in my student ministry, I have used this phrase often and I believe it is so fitting as we talk through faith this morning. And it is that faith does not always feel like faith. Look at every miracle story. Look at every uh, idea and, and, and inner encounter of faith in the Gospels and the Bible and the Old Testament. And you can see that faith does not always feel like faith. It does not always look like we think faith should. Faith does not always smell like faith should. It doesn't always uh, sound like faith should. Faith sometimes looks like a man holding a dagger about to sacrifice his son, right? Abraham and Isaac. Faith sometimes smells like the broken alcoholic who was on the ground repenting to his wife that he messed up again. Faith sometimes, faith, it sometimes smells bad. Faith sometimes doesn't feel like the strong piece of faith that we think it should. Sometimes faith is messy and hard and difficult and it feels obsolete and it, it feels really small and it's uncomfortable. Faith does not always feel like Sometimes it sounds like wails, lament, a screaming. Faith sometimes sounds like anger, petitioning to the Lord. And faith does not always feel like faith. And we're going to need that. that. That's the tension of this story. That's the tension that our homes need because I'll be honest, you need to give yourself permission to have a faith that doesn't always feel like faith. And when you look in the mirror, you are okay with the current situation where you currently are because it, maybe it doesn't feel like what you thought faith should. It's hard. It's rough. It stinks. You're not, you're not having the discipline that you think you should have, but faith, it's found in the messy. It's found in the pushing forward despite the silence. It's found in the obedience that is hard. It's found in the bruised knees. Faith is hard. And so we're going to see that displayed in a dad. We're going to see that displayed again and again in Scripture. In Mark chapter 9, I'm going to introduce you to a dad who has a faith that does not sound like faith. A faith that does not look like faith, but it is a faith that moved a literal mountain in his home, in his family. And this is my prayer as we get into it, that there would be a mountain that you can have faith again to believe that it can be moved. 
that they, you will realize that the mountains that are going on in your life, they can be moved. So open up, if you will, to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to start at verse 14 together. Scripture says that when they came to the disciples, we know that right before this, that Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. That happened. And so those four came back. When Jesus, Peter, James, and John came to the disciples, they saw this great crowd among them, and some of the scribes were arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe. And so they ran forward to greet Jesus. And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. In other words, this, this boy was possessed by an evil spirit. And whenever it seizes him, the father said, it dashes him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. And it says, Jesus answered them, you faithless generation. The word faithless literally means the inability to believe in the incredible. That there's this generation all around them, the people all around him, his disciples, those that he left while he was with Peter, James, and John. He comes back and says, you have this inability to believe in the incredible how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me, he says. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, it says immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And it says, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Can we all agree that this man, he needed a mountain-moving faith. From childhood, his son was possessed, hurt, uh, his life at stake daily. And he continues, he says that it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. It has often done this. Can you think of the level of responsibility that this father has had to take upon to constantly be on guard, on the clock, to be alert, to make sure that his son was safe and protected? How weary tired, needy, the end of his rope, exhausted had this man been. How many things had he tried? How many exorcists had he, he come to? And yet this remained. And we see him, he was a man bound by weariness. And he says to Jesus, but if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you are able all things can be done for the one who believes. In other words, the word belief literally means the exact opposite of what he called the disciples. That faithless generation, uh, but the, the word here literally means to have faith, to think it to be true. And in other words, it's not the question of is Jesus able to heal him? Where the man says, if you are able, will you help us? It's not the question of if Jesus is able. The question is, Am I faithful? And even as you see that, as you hear me say faithful, I want you to take note of your response to that. Sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the word faithful because it feels full. And sometimes we feel lacking. It feels overwhelming. It feels unapproachable. It feels unobtainable. And I am not that we believe. But we will see in this passage that faith does not always look like faith. It does not always sound like faith. Faithful is not as difficult 
and hard and obsolete as we begin to believe, as the enemy wants us to believe. Faith doesn't always look like faith. And it says immediately, literally immediately after Jesus said that the father cries out, shouts out, exclaims. He yells at the top of his lung and he says this, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And it says that when Jesus saw that the crowd had came running together, they probably heard his screaming. He rebukes the unclean spirit, saying to it, you spirit that has kept this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. It says, after crying and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, you know, most of that faithless generation said, oh, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he was able to stand. And it says in verse 28 that when Jesus had entered the house that they were going to, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer. We read in Matthew's version that this is the moment when, when Jesus says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could ask a mountain to throw itself in the water and it would because all things come to those who believe, who ask in faith. And there's a clear distinction, a clear difference between the disciples in this story and this father, this random, seemingly random dad that cared so much for his son, that believed that his house was in need, and there was a mountain-moving faith that he could attain. And it's a beautiful story, but there is such a difference in, these, in the disciples and this father's immediate reaction. What were they missing? Jesus says that they were missing prayer. Did you catch that? This kind can only come out through prayer, through a literal dialogue with the one true triune God, the Father who has created and has willed for you to be able to move mountains. The, the, the son, the one who literally came bearing the cross, the sin, so that mountains can be moved and the very spirit who's inside of us who is ready to do the moving. They, he, he said, have a dialogue. These can only come out through prayer. Yet I see the disciples and obviously they weren't doing that. I mean, we don't know what they were doing while Jesus was on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, but one thing we do know is they weren't praying. They were having a dialogue. Maybe they were doing exactly what they saw rabbis do. They were maybe throwing holy water out. Uh, maybe they were speaking the Torah, uh, pieces of God's word. Maybe they were trying to uh, condemn the spirit. Maybe they were yelling at each other. Maybe they were having an inner dialogue of fear. I don't know, but one thing we do know is that there was only one person in this story who presented a prayer. And it was the most beautiful prayer, simplest prayer, but I think our faith needs this kind of prayer. Immediately, the father looks at Jesus and says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, I think it to be true. I, I believe that you can change it. I believe, that's why I brought him to you. I believe, and though it's small, though I am overwhelmed, though I can't imagine my son healed, I believe, I believe. But help my unbelief. The unbelief is literally the same word used in the faithless generation again. He's literally saying, help my inability to believe in the incredible. Jesus, I believe but help my inability to believe. 
Do you catch the tension in that? The pulling? It doesn't make sense. It seems like an oxymoron to believe yet not believe. But this is literally the, uh, the equation that produced faith. The faith the size of a mustard seed that moved a mountain. Do you get that? This is literally the equation. The man is showcasing that faith is found when we claim our belief, even if it's small. When we claim it, I believe. But also while we confess our lack of belief, our need for belief, and ask for help, we petition for a way out. This man is displaying both a claiming of his belief and this awareness that he's not yet there. And I, I will say that sounds very familiar to Paul's words in Hebrews where he says faith is the confidence in things hoped for and the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. In other words, it's the confidence of the things hoped for. It is that, that ability to say, I believe in that which, which I can't see yet. I believe in what has not happened. I believe, I'm confident in what I hope for. But also, there's this conviction in the things that haven't happened, the not yet, the not seen. And that's tense. That is pulling. It doesn't make sense. Yet that is faith. And it doesn't always feel like faith, right? It doesn't always sound like faith. But man was a mountain moved. And I say all of this, I need you to realize that clear tension in, in this because in fatherhood, in our marriages, in our relationships, as leaders, believers in this city, we need to maintain that tension. Always live out this, I believe, even though it's really small at times, I believe, and yet Jesus, help my unbelief. And that's tense and uncomfortable, and we do not do a good job of maintaining that uncomfortable tension. We are slow to present things as prayer. We are slow to have a real dialogue with God. We all have mountains in our life, right? We all have giants that, that we have to face. We all have things that make us tired, weary, overwhelmed. We have obstacles every day. Maybe they're in your marriage. Maybe they're in your job. Maybe they are in your personal life. We have obstacles, addictions. We have dreams that feel far too gone. Maybe you're afraid to dream anymore because it just feels like nothing is, no ground has been made. You have God-given desires that maybe seem too small or they seem too big now. Or there are promises from God that uh, they feel unattainable. You've prayed about them over and over and it feels like nothing. I mean, let's face it, we literally live in a city that is plagued with a spirit of injustice, a spirit that is very much like this boy that has prohibited people from speaking out and hearing well. And I don't know about you, but when people don't speak and don't hear very well, they're like impenetrable walls. And our city has so many unjust, impenetrable walls. And these kind of things only come out through prayer. Yet we're slow to doing that. We're slow to having that tense dialogue of Jesus, I believe that those walls can fall. Jesus, I believe that this marriage can heal. Jesus, I believe that this dream can happen. Jesus, I believe that this promise was real, yet I also don't. And will you help me? Will you help my inability to believe the incredible? Will you help my inability to believe it? And if you're like me, it feels like I have many impenetrable walls in my life where God has given me a dream, a vision, yet it seems too big, or I seem unable, 
where it seems too far off and I don't know how to deal with it now. And maybe the mountains in our life are moving because we struggle with a piece of that tension. Maybe you struggle with the I believe part. I believe. I don't know about you, but after years of praying for my mom to be healed from cancer and then watching her die, I really realized that I struggled with the I believe part. I thought that it was just I don't believe enough. And and I really got overwhelmed with my small belief as if it wasn't grand enough to change her life and we can be paralyzed by our small belief. And maybe that's you right now. You have this small belief because you keep praying over and over and over for change and it doesn't happen. And you've been struggling to claim that your belief is even valid or worth it. Where is my faith right now? You're holding on to little hope. And it seems like nothing will get better. And you feel embarrassed to even claim that you believe it, that you believe things will get better because it's very apparent to you that the opposite is happening over and over. Maybe you're struggling. You're struggling to claim I believe. But can I tell you, even little belief is still belief. Even little hope is still hope. And hope does not disappoint. Paul tells us that hope does not disappoint. And and as we speak often here at Glory Church, that, that time to the Corinthian church where Paul says, you are being transformed, you and I, into the very image of Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. We have to realize that maybe the degree of glory that we're in right now doesn't seem like we have very much faith, the faith that we think is needed for this. But in fact, little faith is still faith, and the mustard seed is what moves a mountain. And yet we often think, I will be faithful when this happens. I need a few more degrees of glory. No, you are glorious, made in his image now. Yes, you're in the degree of glory that you're in now, but faith is still here. We need to start claiming, I believe. Even if it's an ounce of belief, claim, I believe. I believe. Or maybe you struggle with the opposite side of that tension dialogue, that, that, that tense dialogue of prayer. Not the I believe part, but the help my unbelief. I mean, there's raw vulnerability in that statement. It claims I don't have what it takes. I am weak. I am unable. I am to my limit. And I will say as men, this is one of the hardest things for us to, uh, to own, that we have weaknesses. We struggle to claim our struggles, right? We struggle to claim that we're struggling. We struggle to open up. We struggle to sit and realize that our marriage is as bad as it is. Or we struggle to realize that our relationships are not as healthy as they they appear in our mind. We struggle to claim it, that there is unbelief in us, that there is a sin pattern in us. We struggle to say unbelief. But I will tell you right now that what your family needs is not just what you bring to the table, but they actually need to know that you can't bring things to the table. Because that's when they see you rely on a God who can. Yes, you're a provider, but there's a point when we have to say there's unbelief in me. And that's actually powerful because that's when the provider steps in. That's when what you can't bring to the table is multiplied by the God who can bring it in. And many of us struggle with voicing it, or perhaps you struggle with that I need help part. Sometimes we like to um, sit in our unbelief. We get so addicted to the unbelief, the feeling of not having to take responsibility. 
We, we, we love the feeling of not having to fix that relationship or fix that pattern in our life. We like the feeling of sitting in the drama of it. Instead of doing the hard work of presenting it like confession, I need help. I need help. There's this powerful thing that happens because this is the point at which I completely adore this father. A man who is constantly with his son, trying to protect, trying to care, trying to have so many hats, right? He is the counselor for this man, uh, this, his boy. He is the, the protector, the nurse. He is the guard. He is the safe place. And yet here he voices the end of him. I can't. I believe yet I have a, um, a wall. I can't go any further. I need help. And the beautiful thing is that when his belief meets his lacking, and there's this request of, I need you, God steps in and a miracle happens. And as he said, this kind can only be done, can be out, can be healed. This mountain can only be moved by prayer. And so I will say, Glory Church family, that you and I, we need to practice vulnerable prayers with God. We need to have real dialogues with God, not just our thoughts or our struggles, not just how, how hard life has been on these exterior things. No, we need to have a real conversation consistently with the God who willed, the Father God who had a will to save us. The Jesus, the Son of God who came and actually did it, and the Spirit of God who is now inside of us actively bringing out that salvation. We need to have a raw conversation that says, God, I believe. And right now it is so small. And so will you step in and help my unbelief? Because I also confess that it's there, that I have just sat in the, the Ill, irresponsibility of my unbelief for far too long, and I need a God who can step in, who can help. I believe, will you help my unbelief? I will tell you, dialogue like that is hated in the kingdom of hell. Dialogue like that is hated by our enemy. In fact, I believe the reason why so many of our mountains are moved is because the work of the enemy is to get us to dialogue with everything else but God. Get us to dialogue, have conversations with our fears, dialogue our doubts, our worries with our flesh, with our friends sometimes, where we talk and search out human reason and neglect the tense conversation of faith that says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I mean, think back as we end to the story of the Israelites. You remember the promised land that they were promised? Well, there's this time when they were literally on the line. They were about to step foot in Canaan. And the land promised to them, that land of milk and honey. And so they sent in spies. And the spies saw giants living in their promised land. Now we see them not respond very well. They don't say, hey God, like we believe that this is us. We believe that this is our land. This is our promise. We believe in what you've said, but God, like help our unbelief because right now we see giants and we're struggling to believe that this is our land because people are already living there. We don't have that written in scripture. Instead, we see this dialogue with their fears. They literally say we are like grasshoppers in comparison to them. And as they dialogue with each other, as they reiterate their own doubt, their belief and faith plummets. Oh, faithless generation, their inability 
to believe in the incredible speaks louder than their, I believe, help my unbelief. And we see a mountain not move that day. A mountain not move the next day. In fact, it takes so long for that mountain to move. I will tell, tell you right now that uh, there are some inner dialogue that you've been going through that has prohibited you from literally praying the dialogue with Jesus. Just say, claim it, I believe. The enemy hates it when we claim. He wants to literally keep our claims void of all confession, that I believe he wants to keep it away from me, but help my unbelief. The, the confidence that we have in faith, he wants to keep it void of conviction. Yet we have to guard it. For the sake of our home, we need to speak hope. For the sake of our home, we need to believe and unbelieve. Have this vulnerable conversation. And I'm excited because over the next five weeks, we are going to talk about some topics, some stories in scripture that are going to require a faith that moves mountains, a faith that constantly says, I believe, but God, I also don't. So help me with what I don't. And so as we close this morning, will you pray with me? Father, right now, where we are, we just submit. We believe. We believe even if it's small, even in our hard days, God, let us find that ounce of faith that claims you are God. And let us grow in the confidence of speaking it, even if it is small, minute. If it feels so much smaller than every issue, every problem that is surrounding us. But God, at the end of the day, we believe. But Lord, help us with our unbelief. Please help us to grow away from the irresponsibility of just living in it, sitting in it, operating in it, responding and reacting to people with our unbelief. But instead, may we confess it. May we seek your healing, your help. God, what our families need is not all that we can provide. It's actually the end of our provision. They need to see that we have an end to our provision, that we believe that you are the one who can take it. You are the one who can take us there. You are the one who can move the mountain. You are the one who will provide. So God, let this be our prayer. The tense, the it doesn't always feel like faith prayer. I believe, but help my unbelief. In your name, Jesus, for your glory, amen. And as we close out this morning, I, uh, if you are in a small group, I encourage you to dive into these questions on faith. If you are watching and maybe you need to get out and, and go spend some time with your dad, or maybe you're a dad and you all have family things, have a wonderful day. But my hope ultimately is that you do not allow this dialogue to stay in your mind only or to be on the lips of you and your friends as you talk through it or you and your spouse, but it would be a literal dialogue with Jesus. Have a real conversation with the God who can move the mountain, who has called you to be a mountain mover. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.